and we'll begin. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the CTSC webinar for December 11, 2017. I'm your host, Jeanette Dopp-Heidi. CTSC is the NSF Cybersecurity Center of Excellence, and these webinars are part of its mission to deliver high-quality, actionable guidance regarding cybersecurity to the NSF community. More information about CTSC can be found at trustedci.org. Today's topic is the CCOE's Services and Vision, presented by CTSC's Von Welch. Before we begin, I have a few items to note. First, this presentation is being recorded. Second, participants are welcome to ask questions during the session using the chat box in the Adobe Connect window, which some of you have already used. So you type your questions there. And uh, we also uh, have time at the end of the presentation to take questions as well. And with that, I will hand the microphone over to Von Welch. Von, welcome. Thank you, Jeanette. Good morning. Can everyone hear me well? Great. Thank you very much for that feedback. And thank you, Jeanette, for hosting this. Nice job, as, as always. So a little bit, first the uh, outline of my talk today. For those of you who attended the NSF Cybersecurity Summit back in August, uh, this is pretty much the same talk that I gave there. You'll see a few minor uh, updates for, for timeliness but the, the bulk of the material is unchanged. And what I cover in this talk is, is three things. First, uh, a generic discussion about the role that cybersecurity plays in the science mission of NSF projects and helping understand the relationship between cybersecurity and science. Then I'll transition into a discussion uh, about the services that CCOE provides to the NSF community for achieving that role of cybersecurity to support science. And then I'm going to talk about the, the road ahead, some of uh, the CCOE's vision, and also some of what we see emerging from discussions with the community around a set of baseline expectations for NSF projects with regards to cybersecurity in the support of science. Uh, as Jeanette mentioned, I welcome uh, questions during the, the presentation. She's going to help me uh, notice those as you put them in the chat box and jump in and interrupt me, but please do not hesitate uh, to do those as, as I go through. So first, the, the value of cybersecurity to science. And it starts off with, as with any organization, cybersecurity is there to support the business mission of the organization. And in the case of the NSF projects, that's in producing trusted and reproducible science. And you don't have to look hard to find scientists that are, are very, uh, you know, understand this, this focus and this is their drive and the, the goals of, of their profession. And we in the, the NSFCI professionals are here to support that role. Unfortunately, we have uh, quite a challenge with information technology today. You know, typically all you have to do is pick up a, a newspaper or go to one of any number of websites in the morning to find stories about information technology failing us from a, a cybersecurity or a reliability perspective. And so in supporting CI, this is where cybersecurity comes in, is in order to produce science on top of CI that is going to be uh, trustworthy, trusted, reproducible we need to have some assurances about 
the integrity and the availability of that information technology. Uh, I will say that it does tend to be a little bit different than the most of the commercial world. While it varies a little bit from project to project, typically what we see in the case of science is a much greater emphasis on data integrity. So making sure that data is not tampered with and that it's what we believe, you know, what was read or what was simulated. Uh, as opposed to the commercial world where you tend to see most of the emphasis on confidentiality. So it's about, you know, having data stolen. And so this tends to be a key difference be between the two. Then we tend to, in the science case, focus on availability, making sure that the computation and the instruments are there when scientists need it. And then we do have confidentiality uh, in place in even open science, pre-publication, privacy, and other operational needs. So it's there, but the ordering tends to be a little bit different in our priorities between science and the commercial world. But cybersecurity is still very much a, a critical element for producing that trusted and, and reproducible science. The second uh, role of cybersecurity in, in NSFCI is what I call the do no harm principle. So CI can represent some impressive computing, networking, and other uh, computing power. And you know, as we've unfortunately have some examples of uh, when that uh, when that gets attacked and misused, regardless of whether or not the attackers understand the role it has in science, that can still negatively impact its use in in science, either through harming our reputation making that infrastructure uh, unavailable or other uh, bad effects of sort of losing control of the IT infrastructure. Third, uh, and a slightly subtle point, which emerges only after you've sort of had this conversation a few times, I think, is science is incredibly collaborative and growing increasingly so. You can look around at projects now that are multi-organizational, even multinational, and there, that what underlies that collaboration is trust. And at some degree, cybersecurity becomes one of the, the pieces that bolsters and supports that trust between these different science projects and between different organizations. And so it becomes necessary to sort of establish the credibility, let people know that they can trust you, let you know that you can trust them, and it plays a key role in that. And then there's uh, a number of domain and, and project-specific concerns that I won't go into to all of them, but depending upon different projects, you may have greater emphasis on, on confidentiality. Uh, we work with projects that have uh, data on, on geolocation of endangered species. Uh, a valid, you know, is part of their the research that they're supporting, and obviously a great deal of confidentiality there. Uh, there's a whole set around, you know, regulated data that I won't even talk into. And as I mentioned before, even open science tends to have confidentiality at times uh, around, you know, right before big announcements, around pre-publication, and even some, you know, competitiveness type aspects. And so hopefully what I've, I've given you a little bit of flavor of here is why it can seem a little contradictory at first to think of open science and cybersecurity as, as having this, uh, the need of the, of the, the latter for the former it really is there and does have a role of supporting that mission of trustworthy and reproducible science. 
So shifting gears now into the second part, I want to talk a little bit about uh, CT is, what CTSC as the NSF Cybersecurity Center of Excellence provides to the community in, in achieving these, these goals of, of, through cybersecurity. Uh, so first, for those of you who are, who are not familiar with CTSC, this is, is fundamentally our mission statement, which is to help the community understand cybersecurity's role in, in producing trustworthy science and then deliver the, the know-how to achieve that role. So we, we not only want to educate uh, both in terms of the, the goal and mission here of applying cybersecurity, but then make sure that you, have, uh, you are empowered to, to achieve that. So this is the team. We're a, a distributed uh, organization between the, the four centers uh, listed below, the Center for Applied Cybersecurity Research at IU, NCSA, Pittsburgh Supercomputing Center, and uh, the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And we're very grateful uh, to the Office of Advanced Cyber Infrastructure at NSF uh, for funding our efforts to the community. So we organize our services into, into three uh, thrusts. And you can sort of think of these as starting most broad at the top and then getting down to the most uh, focused uh, down the at the bottom. So starting from the top, we think talk about uh, building community. So this is some of the larger efforts that we do. Then we talk about knowledge sharing. So this tends to be around dissemination of best practices and how to. And then we talk about what we call engagements. So one-on-one -on -one, uh, collaborations with projects to tackle their specific uh, cybersecurity challenges. And I'm going to talk through each of these in uh, more detail. So let me let me start with engagements. These are our typically one-on-one, -on -one, but sometimes one to a, a small with a small number of, of projects, and they're focused collaborations around tagging, tackling a, a project cybersecurity, identity and access management, also privacy. Uh, the scope here can be a little bit fuzzy in the edges, but in general, if it's you know related to cybersecurity, privacy. Uh, these are all things that, that we're open to. We've done these engagements now with over two dozen NSF projects, everything from large facilities such as LIGO uh, down to small you know, projects on a campus like a CCNIE award. And, um, you know, really sort of, and we've done them also on other spectrum, everything from software developers helping them uh, validate features or their code to operational security programs. So I think, you know, whatever the, the multi-dimensional array of attributes are there, I, I think we've, we've walked all of it. Uh, the one I left out is everything from new projects that are just starting up that don't know how to get started and we're helping them along to mature projects that have a cybersecurity program in place and are just looking for someone to come in and give them some evaluation and feedback. So really anything is in scope here, and we, we encourage you to, to talk to us. Uh, if you have any questions, we've got a, I've got a few examples uh, up here on the screen of different projects that we've engaged with. Um, so I've mentioned anything's in scope. I won't go through this again. I will call out one uh, collaboration that we do have, and that's with the SI2 Science Gateways Community Institute. Uh, we have a collaboration in place with them specifically around science gateway security. So if you have a gateway out there, you can uh, talk to either 
SGCI or uh, CTSC about how we can help uh, cybersecurity in our front. And then they also have incubator and other uh, broad range of services too around science gateways. So we work uh, very closely with that community to serve uh, the gateways. We hold a, a, a twice a year engagement application window for these, these engagements. We typically do about four, give or take, every six months. And so then we have a window for, for applications around those. Uh, the last window closed a couple months ago, back in September. And so look for a, another window opening up uh, in late winter of 2018. Uh, but please do feel free to reach out to us uh, in addition to these engagements, we're also happy to, to take questions anytime. And sometimes we may have uh, existing documents out there, so we may be able to help you very quickly in some cases. So I encourage you to talk to us no matter whether the window is, is open or not as to how we can, we can best help. So moving uh, up the stack that I had previously on there, so sort of broader uh, impacts now and talking about sharing knowledge. The first thing I, I want to mention is our situational uh, awareness service. So we disseminate uh, via email uh, notifications about vulnerabilities, typically in software, but they can be in, in other aspects of CI uh, that the community would be aware of. And what we do, so for some of you who are familiar with other lists out there like search and the Ren ISAC list, we take these uh, these sort of more generic uh, security alerts that are out there, we try to filter them down for the NSFCI community. So we have our general understanding of what software is most commonly used, and then we will often add uh, some additional context for the community uh, where we can to sort of help and make it more, more generally applicable uh, for, for that community and for those with less expertise in cybersecurity might explain some of the implications of that. Uh, that is a, an email list, and you can subscribe to it. And there's details here on the slide, and you can find that at the Trust CI site uh, that Jeanette mentioned at the beginning of the call. We have a, a number of, of guides and tools out there uh, to help you work through developing a cybersecurity program. Uh, the, cyber the guide we have for developing a cybersecurity program is one of our most popular ones, and we've had several projects in the community uh, pick this up and use it to develop a, a cybersecurity program, sometimes with, with no help from us whatsoever. Um, we think we've done a pretty good job now. If it walks through, it provides templates, so it lets you go through, understand all the different parts of a security program, how they fit together, how to write each one. Uh, we also have an identity management best practices guide that uh, Jim Basney at NCSA was, was instrumental in developing, and then also the Open Science Cyber Risk Profile that we developed in, in collaboration with uh, ESNet, specifically uh, Sean Peiser, Mike Dopp, Heidi over there. And it's a guide for taking the more unusual things that we find in computational science, you know, those unique instruments or other off-the-wall things that, you know, you can't sort of pick up a guide and it'll give you a checklist for security, and to help understand the risks that are associated with that, that unusual instrument. 
We also have a variety of, of training materials. So we provide uh, training this uh, to at our annual NSF Cybersecurity Summit and other events, uh, including by request. So if you have an event you're putting on or a project meeting or a PI meeting and would like some cybersecurity training, and you can go to our website, see the different types of training we provide. You can look at all the materials. They're up online and, and freely available. Uh, across a range of topics, and you can talk to us about uh, presenting it at your event or just use look at the materials yourself and, and use them directly. So building community, so now getting up to the, uh, uh, the broadest of our impacts. Uh, for, first, for those of you who are at an NSF uh, large facility, and uh, you, you know who you are. These tend to be the very large of the, the NSF projects that have gone through an MREFC. We have a virtual security team that we facilitate for that group. Uh, we currently have uh, 22 out of the 25 large facilities represented on there, so almost a, a complete participation. And so we help that group uh, facilitate communication between, between themselves and also work with them to develop uh, input on security requirements. So for example, working with them right now to understand uh, requirements around the software that they use uh, from, from the community. Uh, we host a webinar series, which clearly you all are uh, aware of since you're listening to me now, uh, but you may not know we've archived uh, the previous uh, webinars and they're available online. And so you can go back and look at some of those. And we also uh, take um, proposals from the community to present on this webinar series. Uh, CTSC does only a, a minority of these webinars like I'm doing today. Most of them uh, come from, from the community presenting their lessons learned or achievements in cybersecurity. You can see on the slide there the, the ones for, for early um, 2018 are already scheduled. And then we've got uh, more coming and we're accepting proposals and the URL is, is on the screen there for those of you who may be interested in presenting something at a future webinar. Uh, we do have some partnerships in the community where we believe it's important for interoperability or you know, having common best practices. Uh, you'll see the list up there. It includes other open science groups like ESNet, uh, also some Europeans where we see the interoperability as being key and so and also places where we share uh, common interest in in some of the work we do such as the REN ISAC around the around the situational awareness. We in order to understand uh, the community more broadly every year we do a, a community cybersecurity benchmarking survey. So we sent, we have, it's an open uh, survey that anyone in the community can fill out. It is completely anonymous. And then we take the results of that survey and we're using it to longitudinally understand uh, the evolution of best practices and concerns around cybersecurity. Uh, we've done this two years now. The 2016 uh, survey report is out and published and you can read that at the, the URL provided. Uh, we've closed the 2017 survey and we're in the process of, of compiling that report now and you can look for that in the spring of, uh, of 2018 and uh, we're excited about seeing that as we've uh, the number of respondents is, is growing and so we think we're getting a better and better picture as it goes along. 
so just some some contact places, different ways to stay in touch with us. Feel free to shoot us quick questions at the ask at trustedci.org uh, email list. Uh, we we welcome any any question you might throw at us. We also have community email lists, both a a, a low volume announce list, which you would want to subscribe to, for example, the, to hear about future webinars. And then also a discussion list that's open to the community to, to share experiences and we'll often uh, share news that, that may be of interest to the, uh, the NSFCI community related to cybersecurity. We also have a blog where we will share our ongoing activities uh, and also things that we may think may be of interest. And then we have a Twitter feed for those of you who prefer uh, that communication channel. So shifting uh, to the third part now, a uh, little bit of the vision ahead and and progress. So we have, um, this is our, our vision uh, for the community. So just touching upon this, this is a, basically a, a more in-depth role uh, discussion of our of our mission statement. So you see the understanding to have the, the information available. And then we have a specific focus on the large facilities to really, you know, help them with, with implementation. And so as we started to derive some things from now, we are now starting our, our sixth year working uh, with the with the community. You know, we have now what we believe to be a reasonable understanding of what a baseline cybersecurity program for a mature operational CI program looks for. Uh, we see that evolving. We're starting to understand now and do more work around software development and engineering. Uh, this has been, it's a little bit more of a heterogeneous uh, community and set of practices. And so we look forward to understanding that and leading that a little bit more. And then I'm going to touch upon really our efforts to scale the community, uh, really sort of a long-term vision here, which is working with uh, campus information security officers uh, to help them better understand open science and NSFCI and address that with the strength, same strength that we see them addressing enterprise security today. So I'm going to dive down into each of these just in a little bit more detail here. So talking about uh, baseline cybersecurity, so we encourage people to think about this in, in sort of three different categories. So first around governance processes and around uh, the resources, so what you actually apply to it, including budgeting, and then around sort of technical controls. And so I'll just say, you know, oftentimes uh, we find people getting hung up on the technical controls. And so we really encourage them to spend time thinking about these things uh, equally. Um, so governance, uh, you know, we really think, believe these things all start with leadership engagement, uh, having clear responsibility for cybersecurity in a project and thinking about that and lead. And so typically this would, would be a PI or for a larger uh, project, typically a delegate in there and includes having some, some, some basic documentation. Uh, we encourage what we call a, a master information, you know, security policy and procedures. Uh, this is not as scary as that, that name might sound. It's really just a sort of a catalog of, you know, you start here to find anything about cybersecurity of the project. Uh, understand your acceptable use. This can be amazingly, you sort of think it's, it's obvious, but you know, what is it that, that people should be using your project for and, and not for? And then incident response policies and procedures. This is the thing that 
everybody uh, uh, wishes they had the first time they need it. And so we encourage people to think a little bit about it beforehand, run some, you know, do some tabletop exercises, think through it. And then finally, an access control policy, thinking through who should be able to access this or not, even if it's just, you know, this should be open to the public. That's still a good thing to understand. Um, we talked about resources, you know, and we, we have two rules of thumb here, which are, you know, invest in people and give them a, a, a budget for, for other resources outside of that. And, you know, over a couple summits, we looked at cybersecurity budgeting because we, we noticed there was a lot of uncertainty about this in, in the community. You know, proposals were getting written with sometimes no cybersecurity budgeted in it. Uh, people didn't know what to budget for cybersecurity. And we don't claim we have a, a hard and fast answer yet, but we have, you know, noticed uh, a real trend that looking at projects, cybersecurity budgets do tend to run from uh, three to 12% of IT budgets. So I know that's not a, a, a hard, easy rule to sometimes translate what an IT budget is in project, but this at least gives you a, a rule of thumb. We have noticed smaller projects, it runs a little higher, I think just because of the granularity of, of resources, you know, you have uh, you know, people only come in, in one size of people and, and so forth, um, so budgetarily wise. But I think it gives a, a rule of thumb to projects that if they're way outside of that, uh, it's probably worth stopping to ask why, uh, particularly if you're at zero, uh, definitely is something to, to think about and address. And then uh, controls. And what we, we, we have found and we advocate for now is, is really a, a three-step process. Is So first, do take a look at, we, we're a big fan of the, the critical security controls, it used to be known as the, the top 20. This is just a good place to start for your IT infrastructure. Uh, what we do suggest is not to apply them with extreme rigidity. Uh, we recognize this is our infrastructure to support research and there will be times when you have to do uh, trade-offs. And so while we think of it as a place to start, be willing to be flexible. Uh, think about times when there may be needs to make exceptions and document it. And so that's uh, the encouragement we go through there. But what we've just found is a list like that will save you so much, you know, deep thinking is just a good starting point that, you know, the return on investment of doing it, it is well worth it. Then when you're done, you'll inevitably find some gaps, some things that, you know, typical security controls designed for sort of your standard IT enterprise infrastructure don't apply to. You'll have that unique instrument out there, some sort of, you know, weird SCADA network hanging off of it or a unique uh, situation um, that, you know, the, the standard security controls. And then when you're done with sort of, you know, the baseline stuff, then think about applying more of a, a analysis-based process, thinking about your risks, something like the, the OSCRP that I mentioned earlier, to then to those more uh, unusual resources. But basically start by covering your, your baseline stuff, you know, your sort of more commodity stuff first and then work towards the more unusual. And, uh, you know, we sort of say that because, you know, you're the, even though your, your biggest uh, assets may be the more unusual stuff, most of the, almost all the majority of your risks being on the internet are going to be on the commodity side. So you sort of got to, you know, get the roof out, keep out the weather before then you worry about the more sophisticated uh, threats to make the analogy. So this, we really point you uh, back to the, the guide that I mentioned earlier here. We'll walk you 
through all that process. Uh, for those of you who are a big fan of sort of the NIST or otherwise familiar with uh, some of the more standard uh, cybersecurity rigid, you know, 853 practices, uh, we had a talk back at the, the summit called Beyond the Beltway uh, that shares some deeper thinking on that and, and why we sort of advocate an approach that steers away from that. So looking more ahead, uh, looking at the software uh, development space. So, you know, we, as I mentioned in the previous slides, we have this guide now that works, works you through a good operational cybersecurity program. Uh, we're in process right now of working on some uh, expectations for software development. And these often start very basic. We found a lot of heterogeneity across the NSF uh, community. Uh, some are doing what they think of as very research software. Others are doing software for research. Uh, these are different things. And then we have others who are trying to put software into place in an extremely operational uh, context up there with demands that you know rival anyone else's uh, enterprise uh, demands. And so we've got this, this spread across there. So we want to work our way up this start, uh, document basic engineering practices, probably put this into some sort of notion of maturity model so that we have some notion of what makes software, you know, good enough for a research context and then for an operational context, and then maybe some context with some, some really high demands on this. So this is work where we see ourselves starting uh, over 2018. Uh, we're fans of the, the Software uh, Sustainability Institute in the UK. Uh, Neil Chu Hung's on our advisory committee, um, and we really do uh, encourage looking at some of their stuff for this basic engineering practices. It's already out there. So number of challenges on here that, that we want to sort of look at. I mean, software comes with a, a number of interesting challenges. I won't go through very all this entire list, but just say there's a number of things on here uh, that we're working on, some of it in the context of some of the other projects involved with, such as, as Swamp. And so we see this as just being the, the first step down this longer road. So I'm going to skip over here. I just mentioned a couple of the other projects, uh, BSIM and then Continuous Assurance, which is the Swamp I mentioned. So looking ahead a little bit now uh, towards future work, so one of the problems that we in the CCOE, you know, notice we've we've impacted, you know, dozens of projects at this point one-on-one, -on -one, uh, certainly hundreds of individuals, if not projects, through the webinars and the summit. But on the other hand, it's a little sobering to look that, uh, you know, in 2016, NSF made over 500 awards to projects that were a million dollars uh, plus. So those of what I would say, you know, non-trivial size. So in order to, to effectively help all of these projects uh, with their cybersecurity needs, we're going to need to uh, to change our, our game a little bit to get there. Because this, you know, you do some rough math here, and, you know, there's probably 2,000 CI projects out there now at a million dollars plus, which is a, a pretty impressive uh, community. So we want to look to figure out how we can find a, a force multiplier for these situations. Now, a common challenge that I often hear of in talking to NSF projects or research computing groups is a great deal of challenge uh, relating to the information security offices on their campus. And, you know, we understand from the information security office side, they're often focused on enterprise computing. You get them into the research space and they're into the regulated data is typically the first thing that comes to their mind. 
and they have a, a hard time uh, relating to an understanding uh, the open science world with its huge amount of heterogeneity between different projects, its relatively fast moving speed. You know, we think about a, you know, three to five year proposal. They think about, you know, decades or hundreds of years of, of institutional um, history and reputation. And so it makes, uh, it makes for a very culturally a hard interaction between these projects. And so frankly, we hear a lot of reticence uh, from NSF projects to go approach their information uh, security office. You know, we do know of a few exceptions, but uh, they are the exceptions at this point. There are some information security offices that do take, uh, do uh, put together effort to go out for these these open uh, science projects in their campus. And really, what our goal is is to help disseminate uh, that out. So, despite these challenges, we still see this as the most readily readily available force multiplier out there and we want to start reaching out to that community of information security offices and help them understand NSF science better understand the culture and how to best engage what what the challenges are and so we plan to start with some early adopters in that space some we we think we've already identified others we we plan to discover or foster and then help them spread the word the word out internal to their community as we all listen to our peers typically better uh, than those from, from outside. So in conclusion, uh, hope you've taken a few things away from me today. First is the importance of cybersecurity uh, to trustworthy and reproducible science. Some of, the, some of the reasons why that's the case, starting with the science mission, but then uh, working through some of the secondary causes. Uh, I listed uh, a number of ways that CTSC is a CCOE is here to help, and you can find them on our website. Uh, and recap, and then some of the path forward. You know, we think uh, we're to the point now where NSF projects, we understand the baseline expectations for their cybersecurity program. We think the guide gets them there. We think, you know, we have some, some range right now for budgeting and also some, some pretty uh, clear, direct, you know, guidance on implementing that cybersecurity program. We're starting to tackle that same set of guidance now in the, the software engineering space, and then also looking towards this longer term vision of using the, uh, the higher ed and the information security office and empowering and enable them uh, to more broadly help the NSFCI community. So with that, I will thank you for your time and attention and uh, pass the microphone back to Jeanette and I will be happy to take any questions or comments. Thanks, Vaughn. Um, I just want to go over a few matters of, uh, of business while people are thinking of questions or typing up their questions. Uh, first, for those of you who, who are here, please take our survey. Uh, I'm just pulling it over here into the view and you can to, uh, to make it a clickable link. Please uh, click on that and give us some feedback about the presentation or suggestions for presenters or offering your own uh, name and email if you would like to present. Um, we would like to hear back from you. And um, other, other items of business. Uh, to, um, to learn more about these presentations, to, to join our discuss mailing list, or submit requests to present, you can visit us at trustedci.org slash webinars. Uh, the next webinar is going to be January 29th at 11 AM Eastern Time. The topic is the security program at LSST with Alex Withers. And I have a little. Uh, note to uh, and a comment about that. We're switching to Zoom, so we're switching from this Adobe Connect 
interface to Zoom. So the uh, registration page and the, uh, the auto email that you receive is going to look slightly different, but it is from us. Uh, it's just that we're switching to a different um, conference software. And those are my only comments about business. Um, does anyone have any questions for Vaughn? Oh, we got someone typing. Okay, great. Uh, Jason, Vaughn, I like your description of the pillars for the base expectations. Most do it backwards, though. For example, controls first and then have them move up to the policies later and usually don't put in any or, or little amounts of resources. Is that fixable? And if so, how have you attempted to fix this mentality? Hi, Jason. I, I completely agree with that, that observation. Uh, we do see a lot of people, they start with the controls first. Uh, you know, I think we, what you're, you're seeing is, yes, we're, we're attempting to educate them on this, and it's really through efforts like this webinar and similar presentations going out and just uh, talking to the community and, and trying to convince them that, um, you know, if you put the controls in the place without really thinking through uh, how you're going to govern them, how you're going to make decisions around them, or how you're going to maintain them uh, with resources, well, you're quickly going to end up in some unsustainable controls as, you know, you'll end up with controls that don't really reflect the science mission correctly, or, you know, quite honestly, what we often see is they're controls that were built around uh, one person and when uh, you know she leaves the project they then you know sort of fall over and deteriorate um, you know and I, unfortunately one category of project we often engage with is you know they have a set of controls that were put into place three years ago and then somebody left and well they've kind of degraded since then and they want some help uh, getting them back wrangled so without having those those government governance and resources put into place before you do the controls you often end up with a bunch of technology stuff that's that's unsustainable. Oh, acknowledged, he says, thanks. And we're waiting for another person to uh, finish typing out their question. Uh, from Muhammad, we have, if you could give one piece of advice in terms of security to researchers, what would that be? Yeah, uh, great question, Muhammad. I, I really like it. Uh, you know, the first thing I, I tell almost anybody, almost in any uh, context who, who isn't a cybersecurity professional, is to uh, think about what I call kind of their crown jewels. Uh, you know, we, we tend to get overwhelmed with security advice. And what I sort of just witness is people almost kind of tune it out because it, it's a little bit much. And, um, you know, I, I don't quite know how we're going to fix that broader problem. So when I talk to people, it's, you know, stop, think about what, what would really cause you, uh, cause the mission of your work or your organization to be threatened. You know, is there some key piece of, you know, oftentimes it's a data set that is just absolutely critical. You know, if that data was corrupted or lost, that would be almost it. You're almost like shutting, you know, closing up your doors, right? Uh, I, I, I don't, I know this will be recorded and so this is a little bit timely, but you know, you think about Equifax and around the fact that they had, uh, you know, financial information. I mean, this was their, their crown jewels. This is not a secondary thing like login information. I mean, this was their, 
the key thing to their business mission, right? And should have been the thing that they were protecting uh, most highly. Uh, science projects and researchers all typically have something similar. They're, they're doing important work. What is it that enables them to do that important work? Is it a data set that they've collected from years of surveying? Is it a particular algorithm or code base that they've been developing, right? What is that, that key thing they're producing? And then think about what it takes to protect that. You know, if that's on a particular computer or set of computers, you know, then map that down to the IT, right? Start with that risk. Then think about mapping it down to that IT and make sure that IT that supports that particular crown jewel uh, has good cybersecurity. So worry about the controls on, you know, that computer or something like that. Uh, otherwise, if you, you tackle all this undifferentiated, it's just, it's too much where to start. So having that focus and understanding what's key to your mission is the thing that I would give. You're welcome. Oh, I was on mute. <laughs> Let's take one last call for questions. Jason, uh, most of your outreach so far appears to be toward large facilities. Is there a strategy in place to move to smaller facilities or individual users that will scale for your, albeit small, team? Yeah, Jason, uh, good question. I think your, your observation's right. We, we started with a group that we knew we could sort of enumerate. Uh, we have uh, done a number of activities that are meant to, to have broader impact. I mentioned the, the summit, which is attended by over 100 folks and just about that many projects. We've also started doing these webinars uh, that reach you know, dozens of, of different folks in projects. Um, as I mentioned back in the looking forward, though, however, we recognize we're, you know, we're looking at a, a pool out there of about probably you know, 2,000 or so different projects. So the strategy, as you described, to, to move to impacting these smaller uh, facilities and, and individual users is uh, is key to us. Uh, you know, the we sort of what I mentioned is, you know, we recognize most of those folks uh, sit in our university campuses and other institutions of higher education, and those campuses are already very interested in cybersecurity. They just don't understand uh, the relationship between cybersecurity and research, right? They're, they tend, and for good reason, they're they're focused on things related to sort of the enterprise security, i.e. making sure paychecks aren't stolen by direct deposit, or also the, uh, the regulated data side of things. So we see having that community of information security at, at institutions of higher ed as being the force multiplier that we can use to get word out by educating that community on what it means uh, for open, you know, cybersecurity for open science means, and then giving them, you know, key hints and, and pieces of actionable Guidance is the way to do that. You're welcome. Let's do one uh, last call for questions. Jeanette, while we're uh, you know waiting for folks to type in, I'll just thank everybody again and mention uh, certainly I'm more than happy to take questions uh, later. I gave the ask at Trusted CI 
email address or those of you, my own email address is easily findable with Google, vwelch at iu.edu, and I'll be more than happy to take questions that pop into people's, people's minds uh, later. Yes, um, I started uh, typing up or copying and pasting all the links that we had in this presentation, and it was getting a little cumbersome. So the only, if you remember one thing today, it's trustedci.org. <laughs> And that'll really just help you find everything that you need. All right. Well, Vaughn, I want to thank you so much for presenting this month. And um, everyone here who's attending, I want to thank you for attending. I will be uh, posting this video for distribution later. And with that, uh, I'll say have a good day, everybody. Thank you, Jeanette. Thank you.